Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey Griefsters, hope you're having an okay week. (laughs) It's been such a long time since I said that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming back. I know I have been away for quite a while, probably one of the longest times I've been away. One of the reasons I've been away, other than just craziness of life, is if you've been listening for a while, you know I have been boring you for some time. I've been writing a book based on things I've learned from the podcast. The book is finally finished. It is coming out next year. It is called You Are Not Alone. I will be probably banging on about it quite a bit. Apologies already. Um, If you already skipped the intro, you never hear this anyway, so that's fine. But if you're one of my wonderful, wonderful griefsters that takes the time to listen, you know who you are. Thank you. Um, You can already pre-order it, but I will do more of a shout when... um, you can like really pre-order it I don't know but you can (laughs) you can already do it if you're keen it's coming out in January next year officially now that has been decided um it has been quite difficult writing that book in a pandemic but um also wonderful um in the strange way that talking about grief and writing about it is both those things so I will be shouting about that as we go on and welcome to season nine I cannot believe we're here but we are and I am so glad that we're still here, still talking about grief, still being okay with talking about grief and opening up that space so that other people can learn with us how to talk about it. Thank you for listening. This is Griefcast. This week I'm talking to an incredible person. He's an actor, he's a writer, uh, he is an activist. He did appear last year on Strictly as well. It is the incredible Greg Wise. You'll know Greg, of course you'll know him. He's done a bazillion things, including playing Willoughby in Sense of Sensibility, if you know my other passion is doing a Jane Austen themed improv show called Ostentatious so I was quite impressed that I didn't just talk about that for an hour. He wrote a beautiful beautiful book called Not That Kind of Love uh, about 
caring for his sister who died of cancer. And that is who we began our conversation talking about, Claire. So who are we remembering today? We are remembering my sister, Claire. Claire. Claire is the reason that my life has taken the shape it has for the last, gosh, six years now. Because I've become, I don't know if you want to call it campaigner, is it a campaigner? I've understood and my sister's early tragic death brought everything into such a sharp focus for me. A lot of things that I'd always been mulling and thinking about and actually uh, an awful lot of my time now is spent talking about death mm. and grief and getting oneself together and getting a will, sorting out your death box, yeah. all of this stuff, um, because you can't live properly without a relationship with death. It's that simple, it's that clear. Uh, and unfortunately, most of us are sort of adolescent about it all, thinking, actually, it will never happen to me. Yeah. It's the only thing we know that's going to happen, isn't it, really? Yeah, um, guaranteed. And and I was I had the privilege of being able to be my sister's full-time carer for the last few months of her life, uh, just before she died when she was 51. And that has coloured everything that's happened since. So um, what did Claire die of? She had bone cancer. Uh, she started with breast cancer, allegedly was in remission i don't think she ever was mm. um and then it became a bone cancer which you don't get better mm. from so i was with her for the last three months living with her wow. just the two of us together in her space oh my goodness that is as you said it is a privilege to help someone like that as i know from my own experience and from speaking to other people but it is a it is a huge thing to deal with as well and I think it's incredible that you're that you have changed your life and you are as you know able to talk about it and I'm definitely in the campaign of becoming an activist of talking about this stuff mm. um yeah once, I think once you realized it's like once you swallowed the pill of like oh we should just talk about this it's like you can't stop mm. can you because you're like guys it's so easy we could just talk about it and we could make such yeah difference. you have to be careful not to become evangelical mm -hmm. about it and of course you know again we can open up and we could talk about this for days because do you use the d word yeah. past they've passed um uh uh they're sleeping whatever else but um i think we try and inure ourselves a lot of the time in our lives from any form of stuff either too extreme in the positive or too extreme in what's perceived as the negative. We want to try mm. and keep ourselves on a reasonably narrow bandwidth. Um, but one of the things, because the universe is balanced, there was an extraordinary privilege with my sister being able to be there as her carer and that was absolutely balanced by the trauma mm. of being there with my sister um, and we know this as, as as parents we know that love we feel for our offspring is balanced by the rage <laughs> the resentment the agony the, the sleeplessness torture, yeah. the agony all of that <clears throat> and it has to be it has to be there's you know there's 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 no such thing as a free lunch um and it's, I think, I think it was 
me being able to take myself to a place that is quite rare for people to go to to realize actually then the scales do fall away mm. and you uh, and at least I think I got a sense of an understanding of a clarity because I think an awful lot of noise comes into most of our lives most of the time that makes it quite hard for us to 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 find a simplicity and one of the things about about terminal illness and I think about grief yeah. is there's a simplicity that is brought with it because you can only be where you are sitting within your grief you can only be sitting within your grief and that's why I think it can be a fantastically positive thing yeah and we we've talked about that a lot on the show of it's so multifaceted and I think that's mm. also what people find hard who haven't been through the experience if like because they fear it so much they just think oh it just looks awful and lots of crying <laughs> like I just mm. don't want to open that door it looks really awful and there is a lot of crying that no nobody would you know deny that but like you said it's there's positives there's there's truth and I think that's what's very hard to explain when you when you haven't experienced it a bit you know similar to the truth of having children of like how simultaneously brilliant and awful it is at exactly the same second <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like oh god I can't believe how tired I am but also I can't believe how much I love you but also my god please everyone stop shouting um and, and grief and I know that can be frustrating for people who haven't had children but grief is a very similar kind of extreme sport <laughs> in that you mm. know you realize how much you love someone you realize how important they are you realize like you said the simplicity of life all that matters is does this person love you? Do they know that you love them? Have you said what you needed to say? Like, that's really what it comes down to, mixed in with absolute agony and pain. Were you, um, what was your attitude like before you faced it? Like, were you someone who was like, you know, most people were like, oh yeah, it won't happen to me. And then when Claire's diagnosis happened, was that the process of like, oh shit, I have to deal with this? No, I was... Again, fortunate that my best chum died when we were 25, oh, suddenly. And that, again, the tragedy of that really helped clarify an awful lot of things about how to live, about ambition. Mm. He and I were, were, were waterfall climbers and kind of extreme mountaineers and various things and and he he pushed things to the very limit um and was drowned oh gosh and that made me take myself away from everything and reassess mm. what everything's all about because at that point in our lives we're still immortal mm. yeah you know in our early mid 20s we are absolutely immortal and no there is mortality and how does one deal with the idea of mortality at the outset of an adult life? Mm. Because I was at drama school till I was 25, um, and, and he died just, just after I became a professional actor. So just reassessing all of that, which was bouncing around anyway, yeah. but was brought into sharp focus by that. Uh, and the grief of his death made me take myself away as far as I could and went to Australia. And again, it's a very interesting thing about grief because he died when I was doing a play at Nottingham 
theatre, Nottingham Playhouse. It was a very dark play, very messed up play, so I was in a strange zone anyway. But I couldn't grieve. Mm. Whether there was a little bit of me saying, actually, I've still got three weeks of this run to do, and yeah, I yeah. owe it to, to everything to, to carry on. But I couldn't grieve afterwards either, and I took myself away as far as possible and went to Australia. And I'd been at school in Australia for a while, and I had a sort of second family out there, and, and retired as an actor <laughs> a year in, wow. um, uh, and just said, I have to go, I have to leave, i just got to get myself sorted out. And it was months later driving up through the red centre where the road doesn't bend for hours where it's just flat and baked and there's no sense of a human scale there's no sense of any scale of speed and it was that moment that allowed me to reassess what all of this meant where I found myself fitting within a landscape wow. and I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and cried and it was it was maybe the perspective of going to the other side of the world or realizing that I'm utterly insignificant in this enormous landscape I don't know what it was but that's the other thing that's very important when looking at grief is that it doesn't have a pattern. Mm, no. That it's not prescribed, that's, that you hear a piece of news and you immediately start grieving and you burst into tears and you don't know what to do with yourself. Mm. No. So we, we, I think, have a tendency to judge ourselves in the moment as well or judge other people for not mm. grieving properly or not grieving at all. But knowing that with the death of my friend Simon, it took me months to get to a space where I was able to start to grieve properly. And I think that's very important for all of us to bear in mind, that there is no grief roadmap. I think a lot of us have heard of the idea that you the grieving starts as soon as you hear a diagnosis. Like, I think a lot of people are yeah. familiar with that. And I think what's interesting what you're talking about is the, the different types of death, you know, the different types of life and death. And I know with a terminal diagnosis, you know, often like once you hear that oh they it's terminal people begin to start the grieving process which is a sort of hard thing to explain but i think what we don't talk enough about which is what i think you're referring to is is shock you know when somebody young dies or when something happens mm. out of the blue or a tragic accident the shock that mm. you are in for months if not years and my dad died um of cancer diagnosis very quickly when i was 15 and I was in shock for years, for years. Mm. But if you'd said that to me, I would have been like, oh no, there's, you know, I have cried or I've done this. But at the back of my head was just, just like, what? What just happened? What just mm. happened? Mm. So I completely can relate to that idea of like, needing to be so far away from that event and that person and that place. And like you said, just you and the landscape of being like, yeah. oh, now it's quiet enough for me to hear those mm -hmm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. I think so much of the beginning of grief is just what, what do you mean they've died? Like, what? <laughs> and if someone's yeah. been ill for a long time, that's a very different feeling because I think you, the shock lives with you for a long time. You know, you're like, oh my goodness, they're ill, they've got cancer, and you know, they have. But even then, when they die, it's still a shock. You know, you're still dealing with but like then, where they've gone. But then we also have to deal in that yeah. with pre, -gr with pre grief. Pre -grief yeah. 
And that was a thing that was very clear when I was with my sister, thinking, don't start grieving now. Yeah. She's, she's still here. I'm still, I still have a, a role to play. Mm -hmm. We still have the relationship. We still have the day-to-day. It's really complicated. Yeah, it is. It's, it's really complicated. And 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 realizing as well that in a lot of a lot of the time it's dealing with other people's mm. neurosis <laughs> about death. Yeah. Uh, and and realizing that I was having to spend an awful lot of time talking her mates down. Yeah. God. <laughs> also, if you're someone who can talk about grief, and can hold that space. I think for other people who mm. can't, you become like a magnet because that's why mm. they can come to you and be talked down because you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm I'm facing it. I'm looking at it really close and I can see this person's going to die. And for the people who can't, they're like, oh my God, they seem to know what's happening. Uh, and then you, like you said, you, you end up like managing fires, be like, okay, she, yes, <laughs> she's going to die. Why am I having to deal with this? Because, yeah, and it's often is the person at, at the centre, the closest person to the person who's, you know, very ill or dying. And I think it comes back to the idea as well that grief is so unique and grief is completely about you and that person's relationship. And so, of course, you know, each grief is different because each person mm. relationship is different. And, you know, a relationship with a very close friend when you're 25 is completely different to nursing a sister when you're much older, dying of an illness as opposed to an act. Like, all of these things make such a big difference to the grief that you're feeling and, and the pre-grief as you're talking about or um, anticipatory grief I think it's also sometimes called I think mm. we have to allow ourselves that because even though they are still here and it, it makes perfect logical sense for your brain to start going I'm I'm already thinking ahead I'm already thinking of when you're going to because you can't help it as a human be like oh well when they die what will we do with this and what we do with it and you feel so mm -hmm. guilty for that but actually I think it's a very logical reaction it doesn't it doesn't mean you don't care or you want them to die like you never want these things your brain is just doing that annoying logical brain thing of going who will get that thing when they die and you think why are we, yeah. why are we having that thought <laughs> we don't need to think about that yet but it's just your brain like trying to I think trying to regain control in a sense of chaos yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And, and, and another thing which I've found uh, uh, about a month ago, uh, an, another one of my most glorious mates just got a six-month diagnosis. So sorry. Um, and he has always approached life in a, yeah, come on, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, of course, he's approaching this in the same way. <laughs> and, and thus one has to patterner one's response mm. when with them yeah. because you can't be there all sullen-faced. <laughs> you can't be there... Grief, the uh, grief king uh, is here. Hello. The king of yeah, grief. I'm ready because to grieve he's, Because, as, uh, again, people approach their death how they've lived their yeah, lives. Yes, yeah. Always, 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 always. Yeah. And it's, it's insane of us to think that it will happen. They'll suddenly have a road to Damascus moment yeah. and, and you will have the big conversation. No. And so I'm having to be very careful with my friend now to mirror yeah. his state, which it may be denial, it may be whatever else, but it's how he's always lived. Life on the edge yeah. is how he's always lived. And he's going to approach death in exactly the same way. So, again, we have to be led by the by the person mm. whose gig whose gig it is <laughs> i completely agree and i've said that before like you live as you die my dad was a like very big personality very 
loud. You knew him. You knew he was in the room. Is how I describe. Like mm-hmm. that's. You just knew he was there, and he didn't. He faced his death the same way. He was like, "I'm not dying. It's fine." Right to the end. We need to sort this out. Get carry on, Get a pen. We'll write this down. We're gonna next week. We're gonna go to Boston. We're gonna do this. And it was so hard. Obviously, because I was a teenager, so it was very difficult to be like, "This man is insane. He's dying." Mm. But it's also it's taken me years to go. That's how he dealt with it. And you, I think what mm-hmm. you're saying is really honourable to your friend. And it's hard for people. It's really hard because if you're feeling sad or you're feeling that anticipatory grief, you want to take it to them and be like, I want to have the conversation with you. I want to sit down and have my moment. Yeah. And if they don't want it, you you can't force it. Yeah. You can't like, they don't have yeah. to, they don't owe you it. Like they're dying. They can do what the fuck they want. Yeah. <laughs> like, but my sister, my sister was terribly upset that she'd never had the closing of the circle conversation with my father. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And as he was ill and she and I were, were, were around and doing stuff with him and, and we'd have conversations, I'd say, this is madness. Mm. Have you met our father? <laughs> he, will, he won't have a proper conversation about anything yeah. with anyone. This is not going to happen, this is not going to happen. So she was very upset about that. Unfortunately, but a few short years later, she was going through the dying process and the last bloody thing she wanted was anyone coming and wanting to, <laughs> to close the circle on the classic. relationship. You know, classic. That's, yeah. It's classic. It's classic. Um, you don't have these moments. These moments are for novels or for, yeah. or for films. I know, and um, I think if you're... It's that thing, like, I've spoken to doctors and palliative care consultants, like our friend Dr. Catherine Mannix before, about mm. death in films and and she was saying oh it's so frustrating you know they don't show it properly and I was like death in a story is to move a, a plot forward to tell us something about character mm-hmm. it's not it's not to tell us anything about death normally it's like oh he really cried because he's really in love with her right that's what we need to mm-hmm. know and and I think it's like we come to it in real life with the same expectation of like oh I'll get this moment it's like it's not this isn't for narrative purposes. <laughs> this no, is the end no. of your then the end of your narrative. And yeah, you know, my dad was exactly the same. Did not want to talk about it. And I was really upset for years and years and years. And it took, I mean, you know, like obviously being a teenager warps everything. But it took till getting into my thirties and going to therapy. And the first time I thought, oh, I wonder how he felt. Like it just hadn't occurred to mm-hmm. me because I was like, I didn't get mm-hmm. my moment. And then you yeah. have to go, oh, I guess he was terrified and didn't want to talk about it. And I think, yeah, I can relate to your sister in that way of like, it's, it doesn't stop, again, multifaceted grief. It doesn't stop you being upset about it. <laughs> like you're allowed, you're upset that you don't get your closing circle moment, but they don't have to give it to you because maybe they can't, no, no. you know, maybe they just no, can't. No, 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 absolutely. And, and, and again, we have to look at grief at this moment um which is of course mixed with a certain amount of oh thank god that's over yeah oh my goodness the relief yeah Um, yeah and to not give again it's so complicated and we all always want to look at ways of being able to flagellate ourselves Mm. about not responding correctly and as with as much humanity as we'd hoped but the the relief is intense yeah when something like this has happened, when a terminal yes. illness has played yeah. itself out, um, it's it's a whole other thing. And you are allowed mm. to be thankful. And there is a certain amount of gratitude then mixed in with the grief yeah. as well. Which is why you know, grief, grief is the most beautiful cleanser. It's the most glorious cleanser. If you don't get in the way, yeah. if you don't judge, 
if you accept that the grief you feel absolutely is equal to the love you felt. Mm. And it's one of the things I know that I was very aware of. Um, I think probably from the time my, my mate was drowned right the way through is that if, if you are not able to allow yourself to process physically because grief starts at the knees and works its way up mm. and emotionally you're going to get ill yes yep yeah you are gonna get ill you are gonna get ill um and don't judge it don't apologize for it if you suddenly start weeping in the in the frozen peas section of the supermarket don't apologize mm. for it it's happened let it through Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So how, how long ago was it that Claire died? Six years ago, you said? Uh, she died in, yeah, September 2016. And I was just thinking, because what you're saying, I completely agree with, like, you have to not judge it. You have to just let it be. But it, it's hard. <laughs> like, is there a way, do you, did you feel like this at the beginning with Claire? Or do you think, like, six years on, you can go, right, I don't judge my grief days now, I just let them. Or from the beginning, were you, right, I'm not going to judge myself, I'm just going to let these feelings be what they are? Oh, I, I, I had no judgment. Wow. Right from the start. I, I, had, no en- I had no emotional energy left <laughs> to, to, to judge myself. Yeah. That was the point. I was... Uh, I was I was in a terrible 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 state mm. because of the chronic nature of the of the and and the and the just the pressure of, not the pressure but the Yeah, it is a pressure. We were we were trapped together. Yeah. We were it was it was oddly a pre-echo of all the lockdown yeah, that yeah. we had a, a few years after that. You know, we were unable to leave this space mm. for literally 3 months. But I think the vestigial limb syndrome 
is still very apparent mm. because a bit of you is amputated. Yeah. The, the hand of fate comes into you and just pulls out a great big lump of interior organs <laughs> and flesh. Yeah. And you're left with this madly gaping hole. Yeah. And that hole then becomes a part of the shape of your being. And we are all beings shaped by our pasts, by our successes and our failures, by our triumphs, by our heartbreaks, by our all of these things. You know, my, uh, I know people are listening to this and not looking at it, but you can see my fingers. I've, I've broken everything. <laughs> Everything's bent and deformed and scarred and doesn't work properly. And we're all full of holes holes in our being and, and, and holes in our heart from loss and from people leaving us mm. emotionally or physically. And this is who we are. And I vibe on a lot about the kintsugi oh, yes. of it all. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Explain it just in case people don't know. Okay, kintsugi is this beautiful oriental art of having this most perfect, perfect bowl, porcelain ceramic bowl, and then breaking it, and then sticking it back together, often with seams of gold. And the idea is that perfection is sort of dead and not, and not very beautiful, mm. and it is in the repair and the, the, the celebration of the break and the repair, which is where the beauty lies, and shows us that this piece is so valued that even when broken, we repaired it and we're still using it. And I think that I've been vibing on a, a lot about this recently, that we are the physical mammalian manifestations of Kintsugi and our beauty resides in our brokenness yeah. and repair. And grief is part of that. Grief is an absolute, grief is the, is the gold mm. lacquer that joins all our bits together. It's such a beautiful way of relating kintsugi to grief because I I can I really that really resonates with me of, of like the beauty of it which I think is yeah. it's hard to explain to other people <laughs> um, speaking of someone who does a grief podcast um, of like quite why you want to talk about why you want to stay in that space I think some people you know they see it as morbid they see it as like festering almost you know like sitting in it rather than like this is kind of I, I like you said earlier it's evangelical isn't it because once I kind of realized how not magical but kind of magical it was to know this mm. and to see it then you do want to tell everyone almost like don't be afraid don't be afraid like yes it's awful yes it's terrible yes it's painful yes it's tragic but this is life this is what it all is and like you, the phrase you use there of like someone cared enough to repair it I think that's mm. so much of grief of like you really have to care about yourself to to put that Put yourself back together and that's hard and that's mm -hmm. hard for some people mm -hmm. some people really really struggle with that but i you know we do have that gaping hole is so real i mean i remember i remember feeling like the wind could literally rustle through me that's what it felt like yeah, it's yeah. just like how yeah. how is that happening <laughs> like i'm so cold in the middle of my soul and to be able to love yourself enough to go i'm going to repair this and it's going to take so much time but i'm just going to do it piece by piece mm. is mm. a really challenging thing and i know you know, I have a lot of listeners who are right at the beginning of this journey who, when you say, mm -hmm. oh, it's a beautiful thing and you're, it's, it's all truth. They're like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> like, they're just in the snotting, crying bit and they're like, yeah. this is awful. And it's, 
it's hard to kind of I feel like it's that's why it's important grief elders as I suddenly sometimes call us do talk about it to be like waving flags of like it there is somewhere where it's not perfect I'm not like joyful all the time but equally I'm not weeping all the time I'm okay but it's a process we are going to be grief stricken yeah. again yes yeah, yeah at any possibly at any minute mm. we never know so, so we can't sit on our high horse and go, yes, yes, I know no, what we're no. going through, but it's going to get better. But, but again, just what I was thinking when you were talking about that, that grief can trap oneself mm. and it can also propel yeah. oneself. And, and, and I was just thinking, oh, actually, then it is about death, isn't it? One approaches death how one's lived life. Maybe one approaches grief the same way, that grief can be used as a way... Of, of trapping oneself in the moment of loss. Yeah. All I have is loss. All I, th- that person, that thing was the only thing that gave me shape. Was the only thing that made my life worthwhile. And and being trapped there, or allowing the grief, as we've talked about already, to filter through you and make connections and make you understand. And 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 one of the things I know with with my sister and it's I suppose a slightly pejorative word to use but I think I'm a better person mm. for it yeah. for the process of of caring for her and then understanding everything after she died that that that, that I feel more capable and compassionate and and kinder as a result of it but 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 you can get trapped Mm. in a in a cycle of grief as you can get trapped in any cycle yeah. as a as a as a human being but there is no statutory limit <laughs> you know we're looking at the government guidelines for for bereavement um yeah. is it is it still two days <laughs> <laughs> i know i mean at least at least we're talking about it. I try and be positive. Like at least there's even a policy. You know, when I was younger, there, there, you know, people weren't yeah. even mentioning it. You know, it was just like, oh, mm. somebody passed away. That's the end of it. I'm back at work. Mm. So at least it is mm. in the conversation. But yeah, it's, yeah, I, you know, I say that a lot. Like it takes what it takes, and that's so annoying. <laughs> like it's such an annoying when you are at the start and you're like, you know, I want to know. Like, is this going to be six months or a year? And you're like. Pfft could be 20 (laughs) like I'm still 20 plus years still talking about it still working through things I'm okay you know not every day is spent weeping on my knees but yeah it's still a like you said I'm still working through that process and I think it's important like you said just to the not judgment I suppose is a massive a massive part of it how have you felt because I know you've you've talked about Claire you've written about her you've you know and as you beautifully and brilliantly brought it up when you were on Strictly which I thought was so incredible I was like open mouth watching that I watch Strictly a lot it's my like go-to escapism <laughs> I, I just I love dancing so much and um and often you know because it's a reality show occasionally things are treated in a bit of a mawkish way you know like and the music starts and I thought the way you dealt with it was just I was like wow because you did a disco piece celebrating her you were talking about celebrating her life but the way you spoke about Claire, you didn't ignore the death, which often happens when people mm. either it's like, oh, they died, it's very sad, or it's, yay, they lived, I'm not going to mention they died. <laughs> it's like, woohoo. And I thought you married those two elements so beautifully where you said, I cared for her, it was very tragic, this is awful, it's painful, and now I'm going to do a dance that's really, is a disco dance, <laughs> which is, yeah. if you haven't seen disco, 
it can only be done with joy. Like it's not something you could do with any sense of like, it's not contemporary, put it that way. It's no catharsis yeah. to it. It's just like, woohoo. And I thought that was really amazing. But how was that for you talking about it, maybe especially on Strictly on such a public broad sphere where perhaps you're not talking to people who are very sensitive to it? Do you know what I mean? How was that experience? But that was why I was doing yeah. it. That was why I was doing it. I, I, I did it because of my sister, who was the disco dealer, <laughs> who was carried into the crematorium by her, my wife and, and her three closest girlfriends in a glitter ball coffin. <laughs> wow. Oh, Claire, I love you. To, That's amazing. To banging disco. Oh, brilliant. Um, so she was, she, she was the reason I did mm. it. And I was very fortunate that they asked me Actually, I think before we started, but if in the second week I'd like to do my couple's choice and and tell a story of why I was here and 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 it was it was such a again the the, the p word a privilege to be able to do that, but also I was very clear that I didn't want to talk about people passing mm-hmm. or whatever else. I wanted to say use the c word, yeah. you know, cancer, death trauma, grief, and then go into a wild and silly <laughs> dance. And that's the point. That's the point. And, and, and the fact that it was live yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of, I don't know, 12, 10, 12 million people watching it. And I loved that this glitzy bit of, I, I think it's the only live programme we've yeah, got true, left on yeah. the telly at the moment kind of almost hijacked in a way yeah and saying yes we are here to celebrate the possibilities of all, all these folk learning something new every week and exposing themselves and doing this and i just want to tell you why i'm here and it's i'm here because of this um and i'm uh, i've it was so wonderful over the next week or two members of the stage crew stopping me on the stair and going i just want to thank you so much for that because I lost my mum last year to COVID, or my dad died, or whatever else, and I haven't been, I haven't felt able to talk about it. And just to see you there doing it in this show of all shows, so that was great. That was great because <clears throat> we all do an awful lot of public speaking and podcasting and writing stuff, and there's a sense that maybe not speaking to the converted but, but no i was but just about to say who, that phrase you are you're talking to people who want to talk about death like those yeah. you know those my listeners my guys they're people who are like yeah sign me up let's have a chat about death yeah. and say cancer yeah. the people who watch strictly, strictly yeah they're here that's why i watch it. it's escapism i'm watching for like ah, la, la, nothing to, and that's why i sat and was like oh my god he's gonna do it he's actually gonna say she died of cancer this is how i felt and i was like oh my god and and i felt like not attention but like a certain frisson of like as if you were doing something quite edgy, which is that funny. Mm. But as you said, happens to everybody. Not a single member of that crew or cast or celebrities would, you know, no, no one sat there who would be like, oh, I don't know what death is. Like everyone's touched mm. by it in some form or other or different scale. And it felt almost slightly, not dangerous, but like, wow, he's really going there. And yeah. that reminded me, again, as someone who often speaks to people who are happy to talk about it, and you almost get a bit blinkered, don't you? Like, yeah, everyone talks about mm. death. <laughs> and then you think, actually, no, not everyone does. <laughs> like, And I was so, I was so impressed and so pleased that someone was doing it so publicly and not hiding behind any sense mm. of, 
like decorum I suppose like old-fashioned like I'm gonna I'm gonna behave the way you expect me to I'm going to look sad I'm going to do a sad waltz there's gonna be a, a photo where we all look sad and then when no one's going to mention it again because that's what we the expected response so yeah I thought you were really brave it must was it scary to kind of go I am gonna put my grief on that space look it's scary going <laughs> on a fucking dance show in front of 12 million people anyway yeah, true, sorry that this <laughs> like, was that just is, a little bit yeah yeah extra and know, a little bit extra this was the cherry on the top yeah. that's all but no the whole thing was terrible. yeah sorry <laughs> Of course, live television dancing, yeah, I, because I've watched it so much, I forget that actually it's probably also terrifying. But yeah, um, I wondered because, same thing, obviously, very different scale, but since I've talked about it, so many people talk to me about it, and I wondered if you'd had a similar thing of almost an overwhelming, you know, over, slightly overwhelming of like people then suddenly come to you with their, with their grief because somebody's opening a door and again it's a bit like you said about what we were talking about putting out the fires with her friends of like you seem someone who's willing to talk about it and then people are drawn because they go I know you're not going to burst into tears on me and you're not going to go like please stop talking like which is what we all fear we're going to do so I think that gives people permission to talk to you which is wonderful but also hard yeah um but you've you've talked to the wonderful Catherine Mannix um, the legend, new, the legend, uh, yeah. The legend <laughs> that is Catherine. Um, and Catherine's just written a new book called Listen. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which um, I would urge everybody it's to a read. fantastic book, yeah. It's an extraordinary book about listening. Mm. That's all it is. And we all listen really badly. Yeah, I'm not great at it. We're all rubbish. <laughs> because we're not listening to what anyone's saying because we've got something to say and we're just waiting for a pause mm. and then we can say the thing that we wanted to say. And what's what's very clear when someone feels they know stuff about something and it will be helpful to the other person to just listen to what I feel about something, then we get into this terrible shtick. The person who approaches with whatever need or requirement, we have to be so gentle Mm. and we have to just listen and see where they are willing to go. Yeah to start with, to see what words they're willing to use to start with. Because it can feel like you're being beaten up if someone's, if you're unable to use the D word or talk yeah. about the C word yeah. or, or all of this and someone comes up, right, this is what you have to do. Death, 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 <laughs> cancer, 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 <laughs> blah, blah. Um, and, and, and that's just, just complete nonsense. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is why it takes such a long time and requires few words, yeah. I think. And and it's it was years ago. I went to the festival of death and dying. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they had Rose. Uh, what's her name? She was the chaplain in the House of Commons. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous woman. And she was on stage talking about it. And she was talking about 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 grief and what to do with a grieving person. Mm. And she said, well, they'll let you know what they want. Don't think we know what they want. Some people want a hug. Some people don't want to be touched. Some people want not to say anything. Some people want to talk. Some people are hungry. (laughs) All of these things. It is up to us to try and work out what they need at this moment, Mm. rather than what we think they should have at this moment. And it's what I always say to everyone when anyone says, oh God, what can I do? And I said, 
take them round some food. Yeah, yeah. That's it. No one needs flowers. No. The flowers take die them, like take, people die. So <laughs> take them a roast chicken yeah. because they will have forgotten to eat. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, it's the very difficult thing of feeling because we're old hands at mm. it that we know what's appropriate and what you should be listening to now. No, just just share a space with someone and see where they are that's all yeah i think that's incredible advice obviously take a vegan roast if they're vegan <laughs> oh i'm so sorry yes take a vegan roast although yeah, yeah. it doesn't the smell might not have the same effect as a roast chicken will to a meat if i smell roast chicken i'd be like you know what i think things are going to be okay even you describing yeah. roast chicken made me think oh god i'd love a roast chicken um i mean god greg you're obviously doing incredible work in in spreading that conversation and it's just yeah it's, it's just it's so important that we that those who can have but the conversation do for sure and that we're having it in moments like yeah. this oh god yeah where it's light and we can have a laugh yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 i'm and i'm all the time banging on you know talk about this stuff in the pub with your mates over a sunday lunch whatever else yeah. Bring it out of the shadows, yeah. because it's 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 a necessary, it's an essential part of living a proper life, is having an understanding that it is finite, and that shit happens, <laughs> and that we will feel horrible mm. from time to time, and we can't inure ourselves. We have to embrace it because it, it makes us, as we've talked about it, as talked before about the whole Kintsugi of it, it makes us the exquisitely broken and repaired beings that we are. And that's what's so wonderful about it. And of course, you can't think about that when you're in the midst of it all and you just are a bundle of snot mm. and horror. But we have to be able to welcome it and not judge it and know that it is essential. Oh, Greg, I think on that fantastic piece of advice and oratory, thank you so much <laughs> for talking to me and remembering Claire and your friend Simon as well. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. It was such an honour to talk to you. Thank you. Oh, that's glorious, Carrie. Thank you very much. Greg's book, Not That Kind of Love, which he wrote in collaboration with his sister Claire, is available to buy now. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. If you have been enjoying the show, please rate and review it. It helps other listeners find it. The show was edited by Kate Holland. It was recorded uh, remotely. I'm still doing that uh, in my living room and somewhere where Greg was at the time. Can't remember where he was. Uh, the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, as ever, you're not alone. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.